week, Swinging Stocks acknowledges the traditional custodians of Australia's lands, skies and waterways and pays respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Big Swinging Stocks. It's so lovely to be coming to your ears again. And we spoke a few weeks ago, Rob and I, you might remember, about how the market's performing and how that's shaking out in our self-wealth investors' trading habits. We spoke about how some of our millennial investors have been really utilizing geared ETFs like SNAS and LNAS. So we thought we'd call, pun intended, Jess Lung back in, portfolio manager at Global X to talk all things geared ETFs. Welcome back, my lovely. Thanks for having me. It's so good to be back. So nice to have you back in the hot seat. So what are you, Queen? What's the fiefdom at Global X that you look after? Yeah, so here at Global X, we're still a growing company, growing brand. So as of now, in the portfolio management team, there are five of us within the team and we actually look after over 30 funds. So at the moment, I cover a bit of everything. So that would be equity, thematics, fixed income and commodities as well. Oh, amazing. Wow. That's a broad selection. <laughs> Last time you were on the pod, if listeners remember, we talked about your favorite investing memory, which of course we love asking. But this time, because I can't ask you that question again, I'm going to say to you, tell me, what was the most surprising thing that happened in finance news lately? I don't know if you can call it surprising or we'll see. You can tell me whether you found it surprising after I tell you. So at the moment, you know, the US, they're reporting their stocks are going through their earnings. We're going through earnings season and there has been over 1,000 mentions of, can you guess, AI in this quarter so far. So that's up nearly 80% from the previous quarter. And I guess the part where I found most surprising was even Kraft Heinz, so the food company, mention AI in their reporting and how they're using it to reduce waste. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I guess AI is definitely becoming the buzzword of the moment. There you go. AI in your ketchup coming soon mm. to stores near <laughs> you. <laughs> As someone who I think has always been at the cutting edge of tech yourself, do you think it was like a long time coming and it's like the hype has finally caught up to the tech on AI? Yeah, for sure. I think AI, machine learning, all those, it's definitely been around for a couple of years at least. So I think now it's just becoming more mainstream and becoming more mainly adopted, but it's not new technology per se. So the reason we got you in, well, I always love chatting to you, but Rob and I were discussing market fluctuations and how that's showing up in investor trends. And one thing we really wanted to talk about was the popularity or the increased popularity in gearing and geared ETF. So for anyone that's not across it or hasn't used one before, what is gearing and why might you actually choose an ETF which is geared? All righty, let's get into it. Okay, so I will start off the basics as to what is gearing. So gearing is used interchangeably with leverage and essentially just to break it down into really simple terms, it means to borrow money to invest. So why might you choose leverage? So essentially, it just enables you to access a higher level of investment or exposure beyond what you currently own. So it's just giving you access to more funds than you are able to without gearing. So I guess the most common example of gearing or leverage that I can point to is buying a house. So let's say a house was $1 million. 
most likely people don't have $1 million sitting in, the, in their bank account. So instead of putting down the full 100% on the $1 million, you generally put down a 20% deposit. So that means the bank loans you the remaining 80%. So with 20%, you're getting access to the remaining 80 so that you have the full $1 million. So it's maybe multiplying your initial investment so that you can invest a greater amount, theoretically invest a greater amount. Yeah, that's perfect. So essentially it's more bang for your buck in terms of exposure. So what that means is that means that your returns are magnified, but also it means that your losses are magnified as well. So let me just repeat that because that's very important. So gearing (laughs) or leverage is essentially like a magnifying glass. So it magnifies both your returns and potential losses of the fund. So if I invest, uh, we talked about my general gearing for a house might be like 90% loan to value ratio. What's a common gearing amount on an ETF that's geared? Yeah, so most of the ones in the market have a gearing ratio of 200 to 275%. So that means typically in a day, uh, you can expect returns of 2 to 2.7 times that of whatever it's tracking or whatever you're getting leveraged to. Yeah, so then I guess going back to the question, as you said, why would someone choose a geared ETF? It is leverage. It means that you magnified losses and returns but it still has all the benefits that come along with being an ETF. So namely transparency. So compared to your normal broader market cap index or market cap weighted ETF, instead of seeing the underlying holdings, we publish the gearing ratio on our website every single day. So you know exactly what your exposure is. And namely, it's still the ease of access that you get via the ETF structure. So you would still trade them like you would any other stock, And then you don't need to get a loan. You don't need to do all the paperwork to actually get the leverage if you were to do it outside of an ETF. And last of all, there's no margin call. There's no additional paperwork as compared to any other stock or ETF. Right. So no margin loan. You're not going to apply for a loan. You're essentially just buying it on the ASX like you normally would. But you mentioned gearing ratio of between 200% to 275%. So going back to your magnifying, that's between a 2 to 2.75% multiple on either your gain or your loss. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Pretty significant. It is. So definitely more bang for your buck. So on a given day, you can expect your return to be 2 to 2.7 times, plus or minus, depending on which way you go. We'll cover that a bit later. But then over the longer term, the returns might actually differ from that range just due to the effects of rebalancing and compounding. So this is definitely a complex instrument and it's definitely high risk. And we definitely consider this more as a trading tool as opposed to a long-term investment. Mm, we're going to come back to that trading tool comment because that's also really, really interesting. I think counters the prevailing hypothesis that ETFs, long-term investment, that's not what these are. But let's talk about the two examples we have, the direct opposites, in fact. What's the difference between the long LNAS hedge fund and the short SNAS hedge fund from GlobalX? Yeah, so we'll go back. I love starting with the basics. <laughs> so let's go back to basics. So long and short in finance is essentially a directional trade or bet that you're taking. So long means that you're hoping to gain when the price goes up. So that usually comes along with buying and owning a security. And conversely, short means that you're hoping to gain when the price goes down. So how I like to remember it is let's, I usually go, oh, I'm short 
X amount of shares. So that means that, yeah, you're hoping that you'll gain when it goes down or I'm short $5 or something. Yeah, so we've already established before that leverage is essentially magnifying, so magnifies the movement. And now we've established that long and short is the direction of the movements. So then now it is, what are you tracking? So both the LNAS and SNAS, it tries to give you geared returns compared to the NASDAQ 100 index. So then I guess going back to the magnifying glass example, so long is a magnifying glass where it amplifies the movements in the same direction. So if the NASDAQ 100 index was to go up, you would expect that the LNAS would go up 2 to 2.7 times roughly. And then while short is a magnifying mirror, right? So it amplifies the movements, but in the opposite direction. So you gain in the SNAS scenario, you gain when there's a decrease in the value of the NASDAQ. Yeah. So it multiplies, it essentially capitalizes on a downward value, whereas LNAS capitalizes on an upward value. And of course, because you said they were mirrors, obviously the risk there is that it magnifies the opposite occurring for both. Yeah. Interesting. So could I just buy both, Jess? But then you buy both, then it's your net net as kind of... <laughs> My returns are zero. Yeah. And then you're paying double the fee. So I'm not sure that's smart. But um, yeah, so as an example, looking at our website, so as of the 11th of May, so the NASDAQ 100 index returned 2.57% over the past month. So LNAS, the long NASDAQ product, it returns 6.65%. So in the same direction, but just magnified, SNAS. On the other hand, returned minus 6.97%. So, yeah. Tells you exactly what the market's been doing in that period. So I understood the products at kind of like a conceptual level. You buy in, the fund borrows money on your behalf, and the fund manages that borrowing on your behalf. It's so really nice and easy. One of the things that I was curious to understand from you was the fund explains this internal debt management as purchasing a futures contract. So can you dig into the nitty gritty and sort of explain what does that actually mean? Mm, so I think we'll, we'll break it up into two parts. So first part, you mentioned the internal hedging and what does that mean? So what that means is essentially everything is done inside the fund. So the fund is internally geared. So that means the borrowing, the buying or the selling of the futures and the margining is all done within the fund. Um, so that means that as an investor, like I mentioned before, you don't have to deal with margin calls and that to you, there's no other recourse than what you've initially put down on your investment. So in other words, the most that you can lose is the amount that you've just put in or the amount that you've invested. You don't need to top up like you would with margin calls. So that's what the internal hedging means. And I think the second part of your question was futures. So in LNAS and SNAS, the exposure that you're getting is related to the NASDAQ 100 index. So then to break it down, you can get that via two different ways. So one way you can do it is actually owning each of the 100 stocks within the NASDAQ. So that means that you'll be getting gearing using debt because we'll be buying multiple times that amount. Or you can do it by using derivatives, which in this case, which is what we've done, or index futures. So a derivative is just a contract or an instrument that derives its price from something else. So in this case, this we use the e-mini NASDAQ 100 futures and they derive the price based on the NASDAQ 100 index. So is it kind of a mini LNAS within an LNAS? Because the fund is essentially like the way and gives you that 
exposure is by investing in a contract which supposes the outcome that you're investing in. Yeah, so it uses derivatives to get you your exposure, which yeah. you want. And then it's more the gearing we do ourselves. So it gives you a punchier exposure, either long or short, depending on which one you choose. So yeah, so my job as the PM is to monitor the exposure within the fund and to keep it within that range of 200 to 275%. And yeah, so we use the futures contracts as a ratio over the fund's net asset value. That is Fascinating. That's like financial sorcery in the background. Like there's like black magic happening to give you these products. So why the NASDAQ 100? What is it about that particular index? Why the NASDAQ 100? I think the answer is just that it's very familiar to most investors, you know, that everyone knows of the NASDAQ 100 index and that is often regarded as a proxy for tech. So tech is in the headlines a lot. It's very topical. So for us, you know, we wanted to give investors more ways to express their views. So we already have our FANG products. So that gives you equal weighted exposure, you know, to the likes of your Google, Apple, Microsoft, you know, the key drivers behind this mega tech trend or this innovation. And they're also the key drivers to the returns so far. So FANG has actually outperformed NASDAQ uh, year today, but we wanted to do more for our investors. And this is how we came up with LNAS and SNAS. So we just wanted to give investors more options in terms of A, directional views on what they want to do and in terms of giving them options for higher conviction. So mentioned before that there's no margin calls with internal hedging. And given the leverage position, at a certain point, if you have invested in a short product and the market has gone up, mathematically, right, at some point, your value of that investment could be zero. Mm, But then at the same, yes, so the value of your investment could be zero. But at the same time, if you invested in a stock, the value of that stock could also go to zero as well. But it's just that this is higher risk, higher return. So that's why it's more volatile and that the movements that you get are bigger in range. So you also mentioned, I think this is where this conversation is going. This is a trading tool, not an investment in the classical sense of long term. So what is it that investors should be doing and how should they be using LNAS and SNAS if they want to be using them properly and responsibly? Mm, So like you mentioned, these are not set and forget tools. So they're trading. We see them more as training tools as opposed to your long-term investments when you just add to your monthly ETFs, you know, your auto invest. So it's because of the nature of the product. It is more complex. It is higher risk, but possibly with higher returns. How we see this is for those who want to express a view momentarily or, you know, just for a shorter duration of time. So they might think that the NASDAQ index or tech in general is going to do very well in the short run. So then they might go and invest into LNAS or likewise, if they believe that tech won't do so well, then possibly SNAS. So that's one possible scenario. And then another one is maybe you've already got a lot of tech in your portfolio. You know, you brought up portfolio allocation and you just want to mitigate or hedge some of that out. So then you might choose to opt for SNAS for a short period of time. Ah, I hadn't really considered that as an option. Almost hedge against your own risk exposure. Yeah, and because then I guess this is a good thing about leverage or gearing is that you don't need to put in put up as much. Yeah, put up as as much. Yeah, exactly. So it's just giving you more access to that exposure. So 
most people use it to express their high conviction or more like to express their views on where they think mm. tech is going. But you can also use it as a hedging. But like I said, because these are more volatile instruments, you do have to monitor them regularly to make mm. sure, you know, based on the gearing ratio that it's still achieving what you want in terms of investment returns and risk profile. Yeah, good call. So another one of the risks and mitigants that the fund employs is currency hedging. So obviously NASDAQ, it's not an Australian index, it's global, right? But predominantly US-based. Yeah. So the NASDAQ 100 index is the largest 100 uh, stocks listed on the NASDAQ stock exchange other than financials. So yeah, predominantly US stocks. How is currency hedging employed? Is it another futures contract? Is everything a futures contract? No. <laughs> so how should I explain this? So yeah, it, it adds a layer of complexity because now we're saying it, it is also currency hedge. But I guess the genesis of why we actually do that is to make the product or the exposure more pure and simple for you as an investor. So, so maybe going back as to why when you invest in that stock, you need to exchange your AED to USD. And then you get the returns of the stock within USD. And then when you want to exit or in your portfolio sense, you then have to change it back to AUD. So there you get the currency movements. So your total return or or I guess what the movements or affects your return in your portfolio is both the stock return in terms of USD or the local currency, as well as the FX between the two. So by currency hedging, what it does, it just aims to mitigate the FX movement part. So you just, your exposure is just the stock movements or the underlying movements. Cool. That was heavy and technical. I suppose I hope everyone's still listening because I find this stuff super interesting. Like financial sorcery, that's basically isn't a derivative just trying to achieve an outcome through dark magic. It's all numbers and numbers don't lie. (laughs) That is what everyone in investing would say. (laughs) So next question. Okay, let's dig deeper into the technical world. What is a covered call? Yeah, so a covered call is a strategy where essentially it's you buy a portfolio of stocks and then you sell a core option over that or over that portfolio and you get the income from from the option. So this is a pretty well, you know, tried and tested strategy in the investment world. Lots of people have done this and it's been around for a long time. So our counterparts in the US or Global X US, they have these funds that have been running for over 10 years. And why you might consider it in the ETF or in our format is just that it saves you time and the effort. So how would you implement this yourself? It takes a lot of time research and then you've got to physically go write the options and monitor it every day. Whereas here you have the portfolio manager that does it all for you. Mm. So are these two funds long-term? Can you keep them long-term? So I guess it goes back to the investment objective or what you're looking for when you invest in these ones. So these ones, it's more for those who are income orientated. So those who want income. So for example, in AYLD, what you get is you get the dividends that you receive from the underlying portfolio, like you would any other ETF or stock. And then because it's Aussie stocks, then you also get franking credits as well. And then now from selling these options, you receive the premium as a stable source of income. So now you have three sources of income. Interesting. So perhaps a slightly even more, obviously it's an ETF, so it's going to distribute whatever it has, but maybe a flatter experience than you would otherwise get. Yes, you've got that right on. 
hit the nail on the head. So another um, benefit of this is reduced volatility. So if you think the market is to jump all over the place, you can't guarantee on performance because A, you never can and, and in vol more volatile times it's even harder to even predict where it's going to go. But what you do have is that you have the stable income that's generated from the options that get written over the portfolio. And then likewise in a downside. So in a bear market, when the market's just going down, you have the option income that's just padding your returns a little bit more. So that's why we say it helps to reduce volatility in your portfolio. And so unlike LNAS and SNAS, could an investor who's income focused and for whom this matches their investment objective, are these products that you could employ in both a bear and bull cycle or are they particularly suited to like, I don't know, a sideways market or a downturn? These ones tend to outperform or you do get better performance in terms from the income written from the options in a volatile market and a downward market because let me just try to rephrase this. So what is a core option? A core option is that you're writing an option for someone to buy an index at an X amount of price. So they're going to exercise that because now they can buy at a cheaper price than what it is. So what this does is that it does cap essentially your upside return, but then you still get the stable income generated as well. But particularly something to consider in a sideways, more volatile market or even in a downturn. Because I think we often talk about index funds and how they generally give you consistent returns during, you know, on average it's 8% over a long period of time, but that doesn't really consider situations like we might be in this year and moving forward where you may not have a overall increase. It may be very difficult to outperform. Yeah, for sure. So I guess in the current, you know, macro environment that we have, we have rising interest rates and then you have all these mixed economic data that's coming out. And you've definitely experienced more volatility in the broader equity market. And for someone that is trying to allocate their portfolio or still wants income, you're kind of like, well, where do I go? And it's kind of hard. And usually, typically, for your more income-oriented portfolios, they tend to be more concentrated in certain sectors that have historically paid out more dividends. So by using a strategy like this, it actually helps you diversify because you're still getting access to the broader market. So in this case, you still get access to the ASX 200, but then you still get income that's generated from the options. So there's also a diversification aspect that I don't think I appreciated as well, as opposed to sort of just like sticking with your blue chip companies, predominantly finance and big miners that pay out consistently. Yeah. So I think since this Buyout Strategy Index was incepted in 2004. So compared to the ASX 200, it's actually slightly outperformed in terms of total return. And the trailing 12-month yield of this product is, I think, 12%. So you're still getting similar returns, but you get the stable income and reduced volatility. So if that's what you want, your income-orientated investor, then this may be a suitable option. Mm, especially for all of our tech heavy non-dividend paying folk out there, growth-focused investors, something to consider when considering reducing risk. So talked about for our long and short funds, what risks investors should consider, like actively monitoring it, considering whether the conviction is correct and the market is moving in the direction you thought it would be. What are some of the risks investors should consider for covered call products? 
or covered core. So like I mentioned before, so the potential upside is capped because you are writing the option and generally when a market goes up, people would want to exercise because they can, you would, but it's just more that you get the stable income, you get the diversification if that's what you're after. Yeah. So reflections on the use of these ETFs broadly, you're a pro, you've been in this industry for a very long time. What's your sort of like day one advice to investors who might want to buy these products? We've spoken so far. If you're still here, congratulations. You've made it thus far. Gold stars for you. <laughs> yes. It's, I guess this has been a very technical episode. and I love it. Yeah, we should do it more often, but sure. I guess it's a good litmus test, right? Mm. So if you've kind of understood majority or, or some parts of what I've said yeah, so make far, sure you leave right us track. a review about how much you enjoyed this episode <laughs> and like and follow us and subscribe to Jess on social media. We'll do more of these. Yeah. So if you've kind of understood what we've spoken about so far and and these kind of strategies do interest you, then go to the website, read the PDS, do your research because these are, I guess, more complicated products. They're more for your sophisticated investor and it's not really for your set and forget type of investing, particularly for LNAS and SNAS. So these are more if you have particular views that you want to express or, you know, do more so by a short term or trade them more, then they're more suitable for that. But from day one is to make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into. So go to the website, do your research, make sure you actually understand what it is and the risk profile that's associated with it and whether that's matching in terms of what you want or what you're after for your portfolio. Great advice, Jess. Thank you so much for coming. I really enjoyed that episode. And folks, if you also like that episode, like and subscribe to us and we'll bring you more of this content. Thank you for coming along. Bye. To all of our listeners, thank you for joining us on another episode of Big Swinging Stocks. We'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by SelfWealth and operates under AFSL number 421789 as general advice only. Because we can't take into account your personal objectives or financial situation, you should seek independent professional financial advice before making any investment decision. For more information and our financial disclosure statement, check the show notes.